and we're back here on Twilight Football on a Tuesday afternoon. Nick Debano here with me and Marissa Lordanic joins us now to talk Matildas after a pretty glorious homecoming. It was a feel-good 3-1 win over Brazil. Personally, I felt it was the most uh, encouraging, I suppose, performance that the Matildas have put together in quite a while. Uh, Marissa, welcome back to FNR and uh, how are you feeling about the state of our women's national team? Thanks for having me, guys. I feel, I feel really good. I, I agree with you completely. It was such a an enjoyable game to watch and it just felt... A, it was a real big relief. I think that's the, the big word that's kind of come out of it. It was a relief to get the win, to have the team back on home soil, for Tony to get the win in his first trip uh, down under and stuff. There was just a lot to like about the performance and there was just a lot of really good things that came out of it. So overall, it's a it's a very positive kind of vibe that's come out of this one game and there's the hope that it gets replicated later tonight. What were some of those good things you like, Marissa? Um, Josh and I spoke about a few of them, but we're curious to hear what, what you think. Yeah, there was so many players really shone, I think, we all kind of bang on about Mary Fowler, but she just continues to show us what she can do and kind of the the gap between her being kind of teenage prodigy into just full-blown superstar is kind of getting smaller and smaller and she's really kind of entering that territory and we saw that uh, on Saturday night. I thought Kyra Cooney-Cross was amazing as well in the six. It's not something we typically see her in in uh a-League women level. I had to stop myself saying W-League there, but it's not something we're used to seeing her in, but I think she made a great account of herself. I thought she was really good and I think she was necessary in that position to then allow other players to do their thing, which is something we've all been kind of talking about for years as Matilda's fans. I thought Emily Van Egmond's half was absolutely excellent. It was so nice to see her kind of be given free reign as an attacking player because... We know she's good at it and she has been one of the Matilda's best. I think in the Olympic qualifiers at the start of 2020, she was our top scorer and our top assister. And then we basically lost her for the first half of 2021 because she had to be shuffled back in the midfield. So to, you know, see her return to the position where we know she does good things was just an absolute kind of joy to see. Even Kerr didn't get on the score sheet, but did all those little things that maybe people don't pick up on or you know they don't rate as highly as goals because of the position she plays in but she did all those things that still contribute to the team and still you know end up getting us a win so everyone was just really good I can't really fault many of the players I think there was just a lot of things to like and a lot of things that were a lot of players that just did what they had to do and they did it well so it was just exciting to kind of see that. Watching the Matildas at the Olympics and seeing how the team was continually looking for Kerr as an aerial threat, uh, continually playing quite ambitious, long diagonal balls to see if she could win something in the air or forcing crosses, it kind of reminded me just a little bit of what we're seeing at Manchester United with Cristiano Ronaldo at the moment. You know this uh, superstar striker is so good in the air and so good when the ball is in the box that you kind of try and force the issue too much, whereas... Mm. In this Brazil game, I just think we saw more of a team-first approach and more joined-up thinking that I think will benefit Kerr in the long term anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we still definitely utilised the wide spaces. There were still a lot of 
crossing, there was still a lot of wide play. The thing was that there was other people in the central uh, the central spaces to capitalise on that, so it wasn't always the long ball, long ball to Kerr thing, which mm. I think we all know has, you know, produces results. It gets goals. There's a lot of validity to that as a, a play and a route to kind of scoring goals. But I think this game we really did see that there are other ways for the Matildas to score, and that was so important because there is a fear, and I think it's just an Australian football fear that there's an over-reliance on your one striker and everything's done to that end, and if it's not working, then it's panic stations. It's, you know, very Socceroos, Tim Cahill kind of areas. But I think this was really reassuring in the sense that we got to see that there are other players and there are other ways Matildas can score. But then we've also always got that to fall back on the Kerr aerial route. So it was really reassuring in that sense that we can now rely on Mary Fowler to pull something out of her trick bag. Tamika Yollop was allowed to make forward runs and we know that she can score. We know that she's actually a really immense attacking threat and she does that week in, week out at club level. Again, Van Egmont, I can't, you know, rave about it enough. It's so good that she can now be that attacking threat as well. So we got to see lots of other ways the Matildas can score and that was actually probably one of the most exciting things. Another thing that I really liked, Marissa, was defensively. Like, they weren't leaking as many goals. They were a lot more compact. I think the sort of the areas in between defensive midfield, uh, Tony spoke a lot about that they really wanted to work on defending better. Um, Was that something that caught your eye as well? Yeah, I think everyone kind of noted the shift back to a a flat back four rather than the kind of fluid back line we saw during the Olympics. And I think it, it definitely worked. I don't know if there was almost an element also of just this is familiar, so I like it. Like, I know what I'm going to get here, so I'm a big fan of it. But to their immense credit, they all did really well. I heard you guys talking about it earlier, having Catley and Carpenter down the wings, being able to do their thing defensively, but also in an attacking kind of way was so good. And we know that Polks and Kennedy have a really good partnership and barring a kind of, you know, really unfortunate sort of back pass and error and the rain and all the kind of little bits and pieces that contributed to that one goal that we conceded, they did really well. So I think, yeah, the the flat back four, it's something we know works. Mm. And honestly, I would like to see it, but I don't think we should be in the, the fluid back line either. I still think there's a lot of value that we can get out of that, uh, you know, having that in our back pockets and utilising that. But it was nice to see that I suppose we have the range that, you know, we are able to kind of, have two different formations that work in different ways, both in a defensive sense and an attacking one. Having said that, though, it, was, it wasn't it was perfect. We saw a number of instances on the counter-attack where perhaps Solana Kennedy was out of position or Claire Polkinghorne couldn't keep up with a pacey attacker. Do you think this central defensive combination is a sustainable one going forward, given that, you know, Polk's, as much as we adore her, is not getting any younger? And, you know, Kennedy doesn't necessarily have the greatest recovery pace. Do you think that's something that maybe can be exploited uh, at uh, the World Cup in 2023? You're looking long, longer term. Is there is there a new defensive partner that we potentially have to mint there? Yeah, I think we absolutely do. I think it's, and again, this is kind of one of those things that's uh, been a long-term kind of question mark over the Matildas where before it was Brock and Polkinghorne were kind of the, well, they're not getting any younger, so who's coming to the fore in that sense? I think, you know, Polk's obviously still has a really big role to play as that veteran, as that experienced kind of leader. I think 
Rossbuck and Carly Rossbuck is the question in this regard. We haven't seen her for a while because the poor bug has been absolutely just rife with injuries, but has made her return uh, to her club in Norway. So is on managed minutes as she returns from injury. But I do think that she is that answer to that question in terms of being the right age, of being quick, of being a good defender and can really create a partnership with Alana Kennedy that, you know, lasts hopefully five, ten years, depending obviously on uh, how Kennedy goes about things. But I think, yeah, the the Polkinghorne-Kennedy one is good, but you're right in the sense that it's not a super long-term kind of solution to the problem. So in that regard, I think Ross Buchan's an answer, but then we've got a few other players that could potentially be answers that are, again, in that right kind of age bracket and stuff, the likes of Emma Checker, who's in this squad as well. So Mm -hmm. I would be keen to kind of see them uh, played around with almost in this game because now that we've got the win, there is almost a little less um, expectation on getting a win. So there's that chance to kind of utilise the players and have a little tinker around and see who else can kind of uh, show show their goods and see if it's something that we can utilise going forward. And you did mention, obviously, tonight is a big game in terms of just seeing what we do have. Is that something that you sort of want to see tonight? Not really the result being as important. We already got the win tonight being another chance to sort of have a look at what else we've got in our reserves. I think, and this has basically been the whole, the, the big question of Tony's tenure of how do we balance preparing for something really big that's coming up versus you know, the fact that this is a results-based industry and you need wins, that's what keeps you in a job and that's what keeps everyone happy. So I think another win would quite help, to be honest, because there just haven't been that many, unfortunately, under Tony at the moment. But I do think that he will be able to kind of play around with the lineup a little bit more. I'm hoping that he'll be able to kind of blood some more players, hopefully give, you know, the likes of Jamila Rankin a debut, mm-hmm. get those other players who are kind of 10 caps and under into the into the mix, get them in front of a home crowd, get them, you know, experience this, you know, this is what it's going to be like times 10 in 2023. If you enjoyed this, then keep working and you're going to get to experience that in 2023. So, again, I think it's that, that need to balance the two kind of, not opposing forces, but those two things that have equal weight um, and kind of get them to both be in a good position. So I think there will be experimentation, but a win is still kind of vitally important just because of how things have gone down this in this last year. I want to return to the Kyla, Kyra Cooney-Cross uh, chat because I don't think we quite sold that hard enough uh, how... Uh, I thought it was revelatory, her performance in that number six role, given that she's played as a winger and a number 10 uh, at Melbourne Victory predominantly and just slotted straight into the national team. Only a couple of games in the Olympics playing in that sort of role, um, you know, largely off the bench. And then playing as in, in a completely different position, but with her skill set where she can receive mm-hmm. the ball kind of on the half turn, always moving, always presenting for it. And she's just so, uh, I guess, in the modern parlance, press resistant. She can almost Mm -hmm. dribble past anybody. And we had that with Fowler in that midfield combination as well. You know, she's just so uh, evasive and elusive when she gets the ball. It just gives this team a whole different dynamic to how they keep possession and, you know, the way that they can actually build up and play out from the back. And then there's the flow-on effect, you know, not having that kind of 
uh, Elise Kellen Knight replacement in that role has meant so many players, usually uh, one notable one uh, in Emily Van Egmond, having to sacrifice and play in a position that doesn't suit them. Uh, but I thought it was really telling that uh, Tony Gustafsson did name check Kyra in the post-match press conference because coaches don't usually like to mention individuals uh, unprompted. Yeah, I, I do agree that we need to hype her up. And we kind of talked about this on the Far Post pod. I've mm. got to get my obligatory yeah, plug in for the pod. <laughs> um, we had a chat about it and I think Sam said it, that Kyra is almost being reverse engineered into a six where she's already got the attacking, she's already got the passing ability and all of that stuff. She just kind of needs to learn the defensive things. And we've seen her accumulate that stuff in the time that she has spent in the Matildas and you know we're starting to see her putting the tackles do the tracking back do all of that good number six stuff that we want that you know we wish KK was still doing hopefully she sorts herself out and can be healthy soon because it would be just nice for her as a as a person to not be waddling around on crutches and stuff but I think what Kyra can potentially do is so exciting because as we said we know that she's got so many good elements to the to her game and if we can just kind of drill that more defensive stuff into her which she's only young she's absolutely a sponge and can kind of soak all of that information up I think she can be so important and I think you're right that Tony was right to name check her because it is one of those things you know defensive players don't really get the credit and they love to mention that they don't get the credit. So for her to kind of do all that dirty grunt work in the Mm. midfield that often goes unnoticed and unchecked, but is so vital to the whole team as a, the team as a whole running, I think it was important to kind of mention that and validate that and just, you know, you're doing the right thing, you're on the right track and it's working well as well. I think that's the the main thing. It's not kind of like other experiments where we've used players in other positions where it's like we kind of keep flogging that horse. This one, there's actually, there's something there and it seems to be showing. So I'm, I'm really keen to kind of see how she progresses in the Matilda setup, but then also what kind of ramifications that has for her A-League women's season and how Victory and Jeff Hopkins use her. Like, is it going to be a thing where she's just playing two different positions depending on what shirt she's wearing? Or it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how that progresses as this year kind of moves on. I think one of the yeah. uh, the cringier efforts from the Fox Sports era of the A-League was uh, Heskey Cam when you press the red button to watch Emil Heskey. But I think we need to resurrect that for Kyra Cooney-Cross because I want Kyra Cam. I want I want the red button option because at points during that uh, Matilda's uh, Brazil game, I was just completely ignoring the ball and just watching the way she was moving into position to receive it or dragging opponent out of the way so that the centre-back could advance with the ball. She just has this intuitive understanding tactically that I think is almost impossible to expect anyone of that age to have having barely ever played that position before it just blew my mind but uh i should probably stop uh you know fanboying over kyra at some point nick you got any more questions <laughs> i was just gonna ask uh, one more marissa before we go um a league women's obviously starting in a month and a bit um what, what what's exciting you at the moment obviously i saw your tweet today it's coming around the corner it's almost just flew out of nowhere just seeing the photos now and everything. Um, what, what's something that you're really looking forward to in the next month to see and obviously once the season starts? 
Oh, I'm I'm so excited for the season. I think it's again another one of those Australian football things. The off season is far too long. I just, I'm, desert, I'm, isn't it? <laughs> I'm so bored. I want something to watch, something that I can go to. You know what I mean? But there's so many exciting things coming up. I'm so keen to see the Knicks and what they do and what kind of young Kiwi talent is out there, but also what Australian players they're gonna have to use because that's part of the whole. Uh, bit of them coming into it they need to have these Australian players I also have noticed there's a lot of young players like if we thought last season there was a move towards younger players after the Matildas exodus I feel like it's just kind of doubled down so there's so many players that have either been train-ons or only gotten maybe like 10 minutes in an in an A-League women's season previously who are now probably you know they've got to step up they're they're it so I'm really excited to see all these young players, heaps of, you know, Victorian talent kind of spread across the competition. So with my Victorian nuffy hat on, I'm really excited to see all of those girls. But it's going to be such a great season. I'm really, really looking forward to it and just seeing, you know, can Perth improve on, you know, the kind of bad hand they were dealt last season? Can Victory back it up? Because they've kept so many of their good players and added little bits and pieces. Really interested to see how Sydney progressed because, it was almost by rights they should have they should have won last season. They were so fantastic. So there's so many little kind of storylines everywhere that I'm really looking forward to and I'm yeah, just counting down the days till December third. Out of those players that you're excited about for this coming W League season, who do you think with a few good performances could force themselves into Tony G's plans? Because it's a question without notice, but as Briley Henry's shown, it only takes mm. six starts and you could be in the mix. You know, yeah, you just need absolutely. six good games and you could be wearing a Matilda's jersey, which I think, I mean, she was a bit of a surprise selection and a bolter. And I'm sure, you know, players like Molina Ayres are wondering what they need to do to, to get a gig. But it's also a massive incentive for players who even have, haven't even made their uh, W League or A League women's debut yet. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned Molina because when I saw the Briley Henry news, my brain immediately went to Molina Ayres <laughs> and how well she had played last season. And I was like, God, she must be absolutely like kicking herself. You know, she was great for South Melbourne as well. So I would love to kind of see her take that next step. I feel like similar to Remy Seamson as well, has kind of had always a decent A-League women's season and then kind of has finally gotten that next step. So I hope that that comes for Molina Ayres. I don't know if they're maybe necessarily ready to go senior Matildas, but a lot of the young Matildas that have now signed contracts, so your likes of Alana Janczewski, mm-hmm. your Sofia Sakalises, I'm really excited to see what they do and if they can kind of show themselves and show that they're ready to do the, the senior Matilda thing after obviously impressing at the, the junior level. So there's there's heaps of players and of course I can't think of any of them now because I'm on air and my brain's gone into panic mode but there's heaps of players that will emerge and I reckon there's even some that will come out of left field and we'll all be like holy hell where have you been all along straight into the straight into the setup so it's going to be really awesome very last surprise left field question to throw at you Marissa because uh, I know I always love to do that to our guests it's very nice of me uh, this gap at centre-back that we've talked about, the need for long-term replacement, the need for potentially, if we could muster one up, a super athletic, super fast kind of terminator of a defender to play next to someone like Alana Kennedy to cover for her you know, lack of pace on the turn. 
could we put in a, a call to the Home Affairs Department and see if we can't sort out a passport for a certain American centre-half at Melbourne Victory? I have previously joked that, you know, I think naturalisation, surely that that process is, you know, I mean, everybody on else way. does it, don't they? Surely we can we can do that because I reckon she she's such a good player. I Kayla can't... Morrison for the uninitiated. Is yeah. the <laughs> We're just like alluding to yeah. it the entire time. But I could rave about Kayla Morrison for days. I think she's just an absolutely outstanding player and I would love to see her if she so chooses to become an Australian and maybe work her, her way in. She's kind of similar in age to Alana Kennedy and I just think she's such a calming presence and I would love to see if she, you know, brings that to a, a senior national side, it, obviously with the big asterisks of the fact that she is not actually Australian. But if that so happens, I would love it. I, I'm fully on board it as an idea and I think she's absolutely fantastic. All right. Kayla Morrison from the Tilders, let's start the campaign now. It's a bit like the uh, Ben Brereton Diaz for Chile. We've got to get this trending on social media. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think she has any secret you know, grandparents or anything that we could speed the process along. But Marissa, always a pleasure to chat to you. If people want to check out your work, the Far Post podcast and The Raw, are those the places? Those are the places to check it. I'll be on the Raw Live blog tonight, so you can come hang out if you so wish. But, yeah, we'll have a, a pod episode as well dissecting the game and just plenty more talking tillies. Fantastic. Thanks, Marissa. Thanks, guys.